Welcome to Hospitals in Focus from the Federation of American Hospitals. Here's your host, Chip Kahn. COVID hospitalizations have declined significantly, and vaccine distribution is beginning to take off. We can see light at the end of the COVID tunnel. But just a few weeks ago, the trajectory was quite different. COVID reached its highest infection rates we have seen. Hospital occupancy in much of the country was surging with infections on the upswing. The state of California was especially hard hit. St. Francis Medical Center, home to one of the busiest trauma centers in Los Angeles County, experienced a peak during this surge, with hospital census reaching 120% at the highest point. The hospital's frontline caregivers were treating COVID patients while continuing to care for traumas and other emergencies, as well as the other needs of the community, never turning away a patient. The hospital also did a tremendous job of rolling out the vaccine as soon as it was available to all staff and first responders. Today, we explore what it was like to care for patients during the height of the COVID pandemic. Joining me is Dan Jones, the CEO of St. Francis Medical Center, which is a member of Prime Healthcare, one of the largest health systems in the United States, with 46 hospitals and more than 300 outpatient locations in 14 states. Really appreciate you being with us today, Dan. Well, good afternoon, Chip. It's a privilege and a pleasure to spend the afternoon with you. Dan, as we, as, as we get started, uh, for our audience, uh, would you please tell us a bit about Prime Healthcare, St. Francis Medical Center, and your role there as hospital CEO? Absolutely. It's a, again, it's a pleasure to, to spend a little bit of time with you this afternoon. But Prime Healthcare and Prime Healthcare Foundations hospitals are really an award-winning health system. We have 46 hospitals, uh, more than 300 outpatient locations uh, spanning 14 states, as you mentioned in the introduction, and nearly 50,000 uh, team members uh, across those hospitals. Prime is nationally recognized for our award-winning quality uh, and care. We've been named top 10 health system by IBM Watson, and our hospitals have been named top 100 hospitals over 53 times, which uh, is more than any other patient safety excellence awards across health systems in the past five years. But Prime's mission is to save and improve hospitals so we can continue to deliver compassionate and quality care and improve the communities that we serve. St. Francis is the newest member of the Prime family. We are a 384-bed tertiary safety net hospital in southeast Los Angeles County. We are one of the busiest trauma centers in all of L.A. County, and it's an honor and a distinction that we, we carry with pride. But it was Prime's intervention that uh, ensured St. Francis celebrated its 75th anniversary uh, this past fall, which now allows us to continue our rich tradition of community service and high-quality care. As CEO, my role has been to orchestrate the assimilation of St. Francis into the Prime family and help lead the turnaround of the hospital on, um, on multiple fronts. Clearly, financially, uh, that was a historical challenge for the organization, but culturally and clinically, uh, as well as uh, operationally, we've got great support from Prime, our corporate office, our chief medical officers, and our medical staff. And uh, we've really done a, a yeoman's job in the last several months with uh, the transition as well as the uh, surge. And, I'm pleased that we've assembled a, an amazing team that's uh, that's up to the challenge of putting St. Francis on its uh, journey for its next 75 years. Dan, it must have been very difficult to take over the hospital almost in the midst of 
of this pandemic. And as I mentioned in my introduction, at one point you were operating at 120% inpatient occupancy. Can you tell us on a typical day, how many patients do you care for in on the in and outpatient side of the hospital? And, and how does this compare with what you experienced during the uh, recent surge of COVID? That's a, a great question, Chip. And uh, we laugh and, and joke about it at uh, the corporate office and here at the, uh, in the executive office that we, we went into this with our eyes wide open. We acquired a, a bankrupt hospital in the midst of a pandemic. So we knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into. And uh, the challenge really was the surge. But as we did our due diligence and looked at the, the history of the hospital, it, it's always been a very busy uh, medical center. Pre-COVID, we had you know, multiple services, both post-acute, acute, and ancillary outpatient uh, services. But our acute ADC ran in the you know, 180s for, for historical perspective. When COVID came along uh, in March, uh, clearly it had an impact on uh, the early days across the entire health system, and our census dropped probably about 20% out of the gate. And then as, as things started to, to mitigate, we saw it started to come back up right about the time of the, the acquisition. And as we focused our efforts on uh, the transition and onboarding, we really you know, kept COVID in the, in the rearview mirror, so to speak, or at least on, a, on, a, on the back burner as we continued to operate the, the hospital. But when the surge hit, it, it really affected a number of, uh, of issues. The, the outpatient volume in the, in the COVID time had dropped you know, well over 50% uh, across the board. But when the surge hit, we saw uh, outpatient uh, experience drop precipitously. Our ER non-emergent volume really started to drop. But what we saw is the acuity in the emergency department skyrocket, and our overall ADC jumped back up. You know, as you mentioned uh, earlier, we were at 120% of physical capacity uh, at the, the high water mark, but our acute ADC jumped up into the the low 200s and vacillated, you know, as high as 220 at times, just on the uh, the acute side. But the real telling statistics was in our critical care areas. We are licensed for and operate physically 36 ICU beds. Well, we we far exceeded that capacity in the first uh, few days of the surge, which were you know coming out of the Christmas holiday. We ended up opening up an additional eight beds in our PACU area uh, to dedicate them to critical care. And then we had dozens of hospital beds in the ICU that were designed to hold and manage critical care beds. So one point at the peak uh, in early January, we were at 150% of ICU capacity. And then when you look at our physical beds in the, in the hospital, we turned one of our pediatric units uh, into a, a med surge unit and we expanded one of our, or decommissioned, if you will, our psych beds and turn them into med surge. So we added another, I would say, 40 acute beds to our uh, portfolio. And on the acute side, we're exceeding 110% of capacity uh, at the height. And I looked at the, went back and looked at our COVID numbers. And we had, at the peak, we were over 160 COVID positive patients in-house. 
And when you look at the number of days that we had over 100 COVID patients in the hospital, it spans over seven weeks uh, that we had over 100 patients COVID positive. And all the while managing our trauma center and our ER and continuing the throughput and supporting our EMS agencies. But with over 2,000 traumas a year, we are one of the largest trauma centers, and we were able to keep that opening and operating uh, throughout the pandemic. So it's a testament to our team and their flexibility and ingenuity. That's really impressive, Dan. You described some of the modifications you made in terms of converting uh, portions of the hospital. What are the kind of modifications in terms of workflow and and other kind of changes, both to uh, protect the staff and enable the staff to take care of these complicated uh, patients did you make because of COVID? In the healthcare industry, since 2011, even before in California with the advent of hospital emergency incident command centers, you know, we, we plan and prepare for disasters and emergencies and we drill regularly. But it never ceases to amaze me the, the ingenuity and the innovation that comes out uh, in a crisis. We had our plans. We, you know, we have our surge policies. But one of the things that was so telling about this surge, and it, it affected all of us. None of us were immune. I actually came down with COVID uh, before the Thanksgiving holiday and was back in the office. And it literally took out my entire executive team. And then subsequently, probably half of our frontline leadership were out at any given time during the surge. And so we were calling on a number of different folks to um, step up into leadership roles. And the ingenuity that came out of that really came from many of our frontline leaders. How do we expand beds? How do we how do we turn physical space into into capacity that's first safe and then capable of of managing the care? Some key additions we already talked about the uh, PACU to ICU beds. We, with uh, support of our ER medical director, at one point we had to designate the ER as a COVID unit. Uh, so there were no clean and dirty areas, so to speak, but the entire emergency department was turned into a COVID unit. We took our emergency services to the streets, literally, with standing up tents in the parking lots uh, to triage patients and manage, uh, again, continuing to provide basic care to the community during, during the crisis, but also to ensure that we kept them safe. We partnered with EMS. We were the first hospital to pilot with LA County EMS to stand up a joint uh, EMS uh, hospital triage tent process. Uh, several other hospitals joined into that shortly after we stood that up. We were able to partner with the state to get staffing waivers, which was a, a key for our, our staff and our ability to expand. The biggest challenge is probably one of the ones that I least like to talk about, and that's the management of our decedents. Uh, and I, I chalk this up to our engineering team, but we have a, a morgue that's capable of handling 12 decedents. At the uh, height of the surge, we had over 64 decedents that we were managing and, and caring for. And and we did that through partnerships in the community. We had to bring in external uh, trailers, support uh, efforts on that front. But with the support of the, the coroner's office and our engineering team, we really, really were able to care for them appropriately and effectively during that time. So the biggest issue, though, came down to supply chain. And, and Prime's team at our corporate office were always ahead of the curve with respect to equipment, supplies, PPE, respirators. And it, it, it was really interesting, some of the ingenuity that came out of it. one of our biggest challenges was how do we get patients that are ready for discharge home? 
And what we found is that the home health agencies, DME agencies in the county and the region didn't have uh, portable oxygen systems, O2 concentrators. So we were able to orchestrate uh, through our relationships ways to bring in portable home oxygen and partner up with our DME to safely get our patients discharged to home. And uh, there for a while, I thought I was going to go into the home health business, but it uh, <laughs> it really worked out well. And um, with prime corporate support and our ingenuity and frontline leadership, we, we were able to come through uh, through effectively. Dan, I, I understand, as well as all the other assistance from outside agencies you just described, that you got support from a disaster medical assistance team, a, a DMAT, and that they spent two weeks at your hospital. How did they assist your caregivers, and, and how did that work out? That was one of the amazing aspects of the surge, and we had so many community partners that were involved through that duration. L.A. County EMS was a a wonderful support. We had our Emergency Management Operations Center, and we we really created a a nice communication feedback loop that really escalated the, the challenges and the crises across the entire region. And as we we continued to talk. Federal uh, Department of Health and Human Services has disaster medical assistance teams, and they're just an amazing group of folks. And they were deployed with just a few hours' notice. And through the weekend, uh, we did a lot of logistics planning with their advanced team, and they showed up on site on a Tuesday morning. And it was amazing to, to see them come in. Our entire team was out front, had a kind of a parade welcome for them. And it was uh, for our team that had been you know, two weeks into the surge. It was just, it was like the cavalry coming over the, the hill and a lot of the, the staff got emotional and you could see the energy peaking in everybody during that time. But it was a, it was really a wonderful augmentation of our existing uh, staff and support. They came in to support the emergency department, which was clearly well uh, underwater with the burden of, of influx. So they set up a, a, a special team just to help manage our tents. And then our ICU team, the critical care uh, team, they were able to deploy the balance of their resources to our ICU just to provide our our nurses and our physicians some much needed uh, downtime and uh, reflection. But it was just that whole you know emotional uplift uh, beyond the resources uh, that that really helped the team through that uh, really two week uh, peak. And what came out of it, what I was really proud of is the feedback we got from the DMAT team and the leadership at the um, Department of Health and Human Services. And they continued to comment about how welcoming St. Francis was and that of all their deployments, it was one of the most exciting, welcoming, and engaging. And as a result of of that two weeks, uh, several members of the team have developed lifelong friends and we uh, we stay in touch. And uh, it's great to see that that service exists within our great country. It's clear from what you just said, that there was incredible stress uh, on your frontline caregivers, uh, the staff, the physicians. What are the manifestations of these stresses on the staff? And what are you as a manager trying to do to mitigate these challenges, both when they occurred at the height, but I I assume there are ongoing uh, issues that are raised from the stress level that the staff had to work under? That's the underbelly of the, the surge and the duration of the surge. And it's, it's great. We, just in the last several days, we, we have regular CEO town halls and, and breakfast with frontline staff members. And 
to a T, they're all talking about how positive everybody is now and how excited they are about the future. And we look back and reflect on that time uh, in late December through January and early February, and it's like it feels like it was eons ago, but it was just a few short weeks ago. But it it was really a challenging time. The emotion, the energy drain that affected everybody from our executive team to uh, most importantly our frontline staff and and physicians, and we we really were sensitive to the impact. The executive team, led by myself, we we were here uh, around the clock uh, doing everything we could just to recognize and thank them for their efforts. And that pat on the back goes a, a long way, but we communicated constantly. We stood up our incident command system. We were communicating uh, multiple times a day, the status throughout the institution, and that communication and visibility really helped rally the, the troops. But We went further and tried to augment with employee assistance programs, giving people an ear, a way to express their their stress, their challenge. We're blessed uh, at St. Francis, as the the name would convey, with an amazing spiritual care team uh, led by Brother Richard. And he and his team were on 24-7 providing support and just an ear to listen and let people vent and get out their stress. And then on top of that, we were augmenting with everything we could from just additional food and support to uh, creating uh, additional augmentation of clinical support where we could. Again, the the county was uh, very supportive in that. The state was very supportive in that. Prime led the way with additional nurses, additional doctors uh, from from all walks of life. And we all ended up picking up different uh, tools and resources to help with either moving patients or moving supplies or mopping floors. It, seeing people work side by side really kept everybody energized. And um, I'm really pleased with what I'm seeing around the hospital today that uh, everybody's just very excited about the future. Dan, that's very inspiring. But now as we move away, hopefully, from the COVID surge, at least, and maybe away from the pandemic as we have the proliferation of a vaccine beginning. What do you have in your plans for St. Francis as Prime has, in a sense, saved the hospital for the community, but obviously wants to improve the hospital and better fit it for serving the people in the, in the area around the hospital? We haven't lost sight of our future goals. We continue to manage the day-to-day, but we know where we want to be as, a, as an organization, as a company, as a, as a community. And it's really, first and foremost, assembling the, the, the leadership and the team uh, necessary to, to get us where we need to be. And Prime has, has been amazing uh, with our corporate support and expertise. But we've assembled a wonderful team. We were you know, successful in retaining most everyone uh, associated with uh, the prior organization, and um, we're really focused on structure, uh, education, and operating processes. It's those processes that ultimately help us drive the quality and, and clinical care that we want, and all the while you know, partnering up and affiliating with our medical staff. They've been through you know, a lot of challenges over the last several years, as had every member of the team with this perpetual bankruptcy that it the hospital had been under, but our focus is really around first and foremost, safe and, and quality delivery of care. And that starts with uh, making sure we've got the right team at the bedside, that they're trained and, and competent. And our human resource team has been amazing at the recruitment and retention initiatives. 
we're focused on elevating and assimilating the prime uh, operating uh, processes throughout the facility. And it's, uh, it's really been a joy to see the metrics move, one of those being our ability to, to manage patients safely through the continuum and achieve the, the geometric length of stay for our community. But the next big step uh, outside of the, the operational aspects is really re-engaging with our community. And one of the first steps is we're proud to announce that we've been enrolled in the uh, Vaccinate All 58, which is California's initiative to roll out the vaccines to the community. Even during the surge and, and through the pandemic, we've been offering vaccines and had a great rollout of our vaccine clinic for our staff and our physicians. But now we're teeing up the logistics uh, to work closely with Blue Cross uh, on my turn and the state of California to vaccinate uh, our community. It's it's an underserved community, safety net community, uh, extremely diverse, unfortunately low income, and those that are in the most and greatest need for healthcare services. And we're going to be standing up our vaccine clinic here in the next few days, and uh, we'll be bringing that to the community. And it's just another way for us to engage and uh, celebrate the 75-year history of St. Francis and really, really focus in on our mission to, to support the community. Dan, it's just been a great pleasure speaking with you. I want to extend my gratitude to you and your extraordinary staff and physicians for caring for every patient at St. Francis with compassion, dignity, and respect. Thank you for being our guest and just for all you do. Thank you so much, Chip. And we really appreciate your leadership at the Federation. Federation does so much for our hospitals, and, and we're pleased to be a member and, and support, uh, support your efforts. And thanks for all you and your team do for us. Thanks for listening to Hospitals in Focus from the Federation of American Hospitals. Learn more at FAH.org. Follow the Federation on social media at FAH Hospitals and follow CHIP at CHIPCON. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Hospitals in Focus. Join us next time for more in-depth conversations with healthcare leaders.